Dr. Jerry, how are you, my dear friend? Pastor Jonathan here, and how are you today? Good, good. It is wonderful to be back. And we're here for our chapter and verse, please. I think this is number five, right? I do believe so. Yeah, we haven't met for about a month now, so I think we are recording number five. That is yeah. correct. And you may have noticed a little bit different song introduction to uh, our our podcast today. I came across an old song that I used to love. Uh, I don't want to say how many years ago. <laughs> a lot of years ago by Gary S. Paxton. Wait, is it before my time? Yes, before oh, probably before you were born. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, it's called Different World, and it's just a great song if you heard the words. Um, and it goes on. It just keeps getting better as he goes. So we thought we would use that today as our, uh, our musical introduction. And um, we also want to mention that we're kind of changing the format of what we've been doing. If you were listening, if you listened to the first four, we had been uh, going through Genesis and we're just going to do a chapter at a time and go through the whole Bible. It was going to take about 20 years, but uh, we, we decided we might better change it out and do some things a little bit different. Um, more about what we're doing in our devotional, the days that we're doing the recordings and where we are and what God's word is teaching us. And uh, we thought that way it would be a little more meaningful to, to what we're doing, and that might help more people as yes, we go. Yes, sort of as um, we, we, we're taking how the Word is speaking to us right now through, the, through God's Word right. and applying it, theology to the culture. And what's going on so in the So what culture. is going on in our world and how the Word is speaking to us, and we want to share, and hopefully it will encourage and you know, help you guys also navigate through these times that we are in. And we appreciate you listening, if that's what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so, currently I am in the book of Galatians, and this epistle is written at a time where Paul has came to Galatia and shared the gospel, mm -hmm. the true gospel with them. Yep. And he leaves. Then he catches wind, some years go by, some time passes, and he catches wind that some agitators have uh -huh. came to Galatia. And the agitators were not content merely to preach their brand of the gospel. They also attempted to discredit Paul and the true gospel. Now, what they were doing, Paul came and said, you know, you are saved through, justified through faith, right? These guys come along and they say, well, no, yeah, okay, you can be justified through faith, but you also still need to be circumcised. Right, they're After, adding. They are adding to the gospel. Yeah. And Paul is writing this letter, and even in Galatia, Galatians uh, chapter 1, verse 6, this is how Paul starts with it. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting mm -hmm. him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to, catch this, a different gospel. Yep. Okay. That could open up many conversations, but currently right now we are seeing this. We call it quote unquote woke. Right. Quote unquote social gospel. In today's culture. Yep. In right. today's church. Exactly. Yep. And um, what they're doing is challenging Paul's authority and God's word. Yes. And... So if you take, so, so, so they're saying, these agitators that came are saying, hey, you need to still be circumcised. And these people here, sadly, are going along with it. 
It's very similar to what we are seeing right now with this woke gospel, social justice warrior. Yeah. You know, you catch the, you know, you, you're, you're automatically, you're inherently racist because your color of your skin is white. Right. So therefore, you may have repented and been living the Christian faith for 50 years. And they come along and they say, well, yeah, no, actually, you, you're not repented. No, you're actually still a racist just yes. because of your skin color. Yeah, and there's no atonement for this. No. There's no, this is like the uh, original sin, quote unquote, right. of the woke movement, of the woke gospel. Yep. And in order to get past the sin, you have to do something. You have to do something. You have to, you have to say that you're a racist and you have to admit how badly you've treated people of other races. Mm -hmm. And then you can be, and if you're talking about it, then you can be forgiven of this sin yes. that you didn't know you had. And if I move up to uh, in Galatians again, chapter 3, it starts off, O oh, foolish Galatians, yeah. who has bewitched you? Yeah. Now, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. So he goes on, verse 2, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Yeah. So, so now we have this, okay, this new gospel that they're coming up, like these new ideas. I'm always red flags when I hear something new yeah, coming up. Okay. Like, wait. Uh, they're saying, what, what's happening, Jerry, is people are being yoked yeah. with the sin that does not belong to them. Right. So basically, I can barely maintain the repentance of my own sin. Now you're telling me that I have to carry <laughs> yes, the sin of, right. of, 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 of all the white people. Of all the white people in the history? <laughs> like, yes, yeah, they do. That's I right. don't, I don't, I don't see that biblically. No. no. I, so I push back very hard on that. And I think it's an injustice yeah. that is being done in the name of justice. Right. And they are twisting scripture to fit this agenda and narrative. And it is becoming, it's infiltrating our churches. Yeah. Pastors. Are, 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 are propagating this stuff. And that's the worst part. And I think a lot of it is, it's, it's got to do with my own guilt. I feel bad about something. I don't know what to hang that on. At a, so I just hang it on this. And if I can say, if I can virtue signal and say, well, I care about racial injustice and I care about all these things, then I get to say, like, I am being cleansed somehow from my own sin. And it's not even relevant to what my problems and my sin um, I have to deal with. Exactly. And it's nothing new. Um, I'm gonna, do, did you have more on Galatians? Well, because I just wanted to say one more thing. So this is what is, I, I may have mentioned it, but the Galatians, for their part there, this is what catches me. This is what we're witnessing currently. Yeah. We're showing interest both in the rumors about Paul. They were showing interest in that. Yeah. Oh, Paul did what? You know, and in the agitators, catch this, in the new form of the gospel that they brought, they right. began to show interest in it. Yeah. It's the same exact thing that just happened to our culture. Yeah. The woke movement happened, and these Christians that were once, I mean, I'm talking about leaders that I held at high respect, yeah. bit this, bit into this hard. And all of a sudden, they're and just they're enamored with it. Oh, they love it's it. It's exciting, and they're making sermons and writing mm -hmm. books about how terrible all this is. And, and actually producing condemnation. So when you right. get to, there is therefore no condemnation, oh, but wait, they will say, well, wait, no, there is. Yeah, we have to condemn you. You, ha you need to condemn yeah, yourself. And your ra racial insensitivity. Exactly. Yep. So, 
Yeah, that's um just when I'm reading in Galatians, that's how it's so parallel right now to this is another gospel. Yeah. Yeah. And I am greatly perplexed and disturbed when I see people again, like I said, highly respected leaders that I once learned from. Yep. They are no longer credible. Yep. Because you know what they do? They are grabbing hold of this other gospel and they are spewing it across the nation and any platform they have it on and back to virtue signaling, as you said. And by doing that, they're rejecting the authority of other great teachers and not even concerned with what great teachers and great theologians have said in the past. Because, like I said, it's nothing new. It's so amazing to me because we, we planned to do this a couple of weeks ago and get together today. In my devotions, I'm in the book of Numbers, and I've been in there for about a month. There is so, there's so much in that book that is relevant to today. And where I'm at right now, I'm in uh, chapter 16. I want to just talk a little bit about what was called Korah's Rebellion. Um, and you know, the, the, the history that the children of Israel leave Egypt, and they, they go out in the desert, and they have their own problems, and... Um, there's, there's this turning away from God and then turning back to God over and over and over. And Moses is trying to lead, lead these stiff-necked people to the promised land, right? And they get to these places where they just want to complain and whine and, and, and act like, like, like God's abandoned them when that's not what's happened. So in Numbers 16, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I just want to read a couple of the verses and about Korah's rebellion. Now, Korah was one of the Levites, and they were the priests, and they were responsible for mm -hmm. doing all the sacrifices and things. But Korah comes to Moses, and listen to what he says to Moses. They rose up um, before Moses with some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. Mm -hmm. These were respected people. And they gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, you take too much upon yourselves for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord's? of the Lord. I think what was happening here is they were being enticed by other philosophies and, and things that were not what Moses was doing and not what God was doing with the children of Israel. Mm -hmm. And they, they actually even said here, I just think it's so interesting that they said, the congregation is holy. That's not, that's not what God said about people. They're not holy until they obey what God wants mm -hmm. and they accept God's plan for life. And so I think there is similar to what was happening in Galatians that these people were saying we don't want to listen to Moses anymore. We're going to do what we want to do. Moses, you're we're rejecting your authority. Why are you telling us what we should do? Yeah. And we're good. We're okay the way we are. We don't need you to tell us anything or change anything. And I think we're seeing with the church accepting the outright sinfulness that's been called sin in the Bible for the whole time we've had the Bible. 
And, peop- and people in the church are saying, well, those aren't really sins. They're calling other things sins that... <laughs> that, that They're we, polarizing you know, we different sins. They're right. polarizing. They're changing the, the definitions of sins. Yeah. And they're saying the people are okay, but... But, you know, except for those racists, those white racist evangelicals, we got to deal with them. Everything else is okay, though. Yeah. And we're rejecting what God says about about sexual sin, about homosexuality, oh, about yeah. uh, gender, all this stuff that we're getting. Um, and it's a re- it's all a rejection of God's authority. So once again, it's it's nothing new. It's happened mm-hmm. in, in uh, all the, the history of, of uh, our faith. Interestingly enough, in the book of Galatians, there's six chapters, right? Mm-hmm. Smack dab in the middle of chapter three, right in the middle of Galatians. If you go to verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. Mm-hmm. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Yep. This is almost parallel to what we are, are witnessing. Um, yep. the book of, they, they, they grabbed a hold of another gospel. Yep. And then they're saying, well, if you're saved, okay, but you still need to repent of, you know, well, wait a minute, I repented of my sins. You know, you're telling me to repent of sins I'm not aware of. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. like, like yeah. That, so, so let me give you an example. This whole racism thing, you know, um, it would be very similar to saying, okay, I struggle with homosexuality per se. Mm-hmm. I struggle with homosexuality. And guess what, Jerry? So do you. And you need to repent of your homosexuality. What would you say? Yeah, it's like, well, You're going to say, well, no, you don't. Yeah. No, I don't. And I'm going to sit here and say, well, yes, you do. Because I know you do because I do. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's a projection in psychology. They call that projection, where Oof. I project my own fears and concerns and yeah. sins onto other people yeah. and, and ca- call them what I fear my, in my own. <laughs> you know, I chuckle a little bit, but I, I find it ironic, and I believe this is true, that a lot of these, you know, the white evangelicals that are responding with such dogmatic uh, reverence to all this stuff... Right. That they are actually racist. Yeah. So they hit the core. <laughs> they, yeah. they hit some people that do struggle with racism, yeah. and, and what do they need know what to do with it? Yeah. Virtue signal. Yeah. Right to show and prove. Wait a minute, guys. I'm not racist. I'm not racist. When indeed, in fact, they are. Yep. Well, actually, there's another uh, psychological term that Freud brought up. I don't want to really want to quote Freud as if he's an uh, authority on things that are spiritual, mm-hmm. but he did say a phrase. He called it reaction formation, which is when I have something in me that is so terrible, I can't, I, I can't deal with it. I react in a, in, in, in a kind of the opposite direction. Yeah. So, so if I feel like I, maybe if I have tendencies toward, let's say, homosexuality, the best thing for me to do would be to fight homosexuality mm-hmm. because it's so terrible. Mm-hmm. And this could happen with racism, I believe, yeah. that if I have racial insensitivities or any kind of racial hatred, I might not want to admit that. The easiest way to deal with that for me would be to, to go out there in public and say how bad it all is. Mm-hmm. That, that way I can signal that it's you all feel okay. Better. I'm okay. I feel better. Yeah. I and, you're, well, and you're accepted. Right. By this movement, and, by this world, by yeah, the world. Yep, and it happens over and over happens and over. Different. And you can't say everybody, you know, we don't say everybody that's in this kind of mindset is, that's what's happening. But right. I think it's happening with a lot of people. Yeah, I want to clarify. Yeah. As far as, I've seen a lot of people, white people, that I know. Yeah. They are white guilted. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're not really racist. Right. These people are convincing and oh yes you are and they sit there and they cry. Yeah. And they are saying oh. I'm so so racist because yeah. why? Well because they told me I was. Yeah. Well during during the riots <laughs> last summer there were white people bowing down in the streets to mm -hmm. black people yeah. to kind of show how remorseful they were about mm -hmm. their insensitivities and their sin. And I thought when I saw that I thought this is wrong. This is the this is Satan's work here when, when people are taking it to those kind of extremes. So here we are. Galatians five. Right. Verse one. Listen to this. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again yeah. to a yoke of slavery. Yep. Yep. So these people are trying to yoke you again yep. with slavery, with the slavery of yep. sin yep. that you are free from in Christ. Yep. And this is such an injustice. Yep. So, trying to put that responsibility yeah. on you. And <laughs> well, this stuff runs deep. This is just part of it. Yeah. We were talking about um, 1984. Yes. Yep. Uh, a George Orwell famous book. It is. It's a lot bigger than just in the church. The, uh, the, there's a power of evil in the whole world that is that is kind of taking over. It seems to me. And George Orwell, when he wrote that book, and now I'll confess, I did not read the book. I need to get it and read it. But I've been reading about the book and uh, came across uh, uh, the, the Hillsdale College's um, yeah, this is a newsletter, newsletter, newsletter called Imprimus. And uh, he has a quote in there from the book. And if you think about some of the things that we're talking about, if you're rejecting the authority that God gave us in God's word, well, then what are you going to be replacing that with how are you, how are you going to get your your ethical and moral decision making well it's a secular society right, right. and that is what we we are witnessing begin to take place and to deny it yep you would have to be blind <laughs> well and one of the things i mean we talked about this i think maybe the last time that how important it is for the church to teach the children and to to make sure the children and the families in the church are living holy lives yes because they'll be susceptible to all these philosophies if they, if they don't get it and george orwell dealt with that question about the children mm. you want me to read this or do would you like to read yeah, it? you can read it Jerry. all right let me try this um and this is um a character in the book named o'brien and this is what he says we have cut the links between child and parent and between man and man and between man and woman no one dares trust a wife or a child or a friend any longer. But in the future, there will be no wives and no friends. Children will be taken from their mothers at birth, if they are allowed to be born. That's my comment. Never mind. Um, as one takes eggs from a hen, the sex instinct will be eradicated. Procreation will be an annual formality like the renewal of a ration card. There will be no loyalty except loyalty toward the party. There will be no love except love of the big brother. There will be no laughter except the laugh of triumph over a defeated en enemy. All competing pleasures will be destroyed. But always, do not forget this, Winston, always there will be the intoxication of power, constantly increasing and constantly growing subtler. 
Always at every moment there will be the thrill of victory, the, sens the sensation of trampling on an enemy who is helpless. If you want a picture of the future, imagine of a boot stamping on a human face forever. Mm. And that's what I think we're seeing in the culture. And this condemnation, it's just getting started to, to condemn. The, um, racism is where you kind of see it coming together. But yeah. it's, there's going to be con condemnation of biblical things, of, of, of Christian views of things. It's happening over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And I love that image. Well, I don't love the image, but it's an image of the boot on someone's face. And and, um, and people cheering thing. it on. Yeah, and people accepting it and saying, well, yeah. this is just what it is. This is how it is. Yep, and yeah. it is the schools, and um, the, the schools are already way ahead of us on this. Uh -huh. They're teaching these philosophies more and more at younger and younger ages, mm -hmm. and um, in a way setting the children that are being taught these things against their parents. And I'll tell you a story, example of this. I have a grandson who came home from third grade and his mom picked him up and was taking him home. And he says, Mommy, um, we shouldn't be driving our van. We should be riding bicycles. And sh she about drove off the road when he said that. <laughs> but he had learned that in third grade about the environment and about how vehicles and cars and SUVs are hurting the environment. And that the best solution to that would be if, if people would ride bicycles. Yeah. yeah. Well... That's, that's the setup. The next step after that would be for the children to report that mommy's still driving her van mm -hmm. at school. Or mommy and daddy have a gun in the house. Mm -hmm. Or mommy and daddy are reading the Bible. And that's just what George Orwell was talking about. Yeah. That this, the separation of families mm -hmm. is a huge part of, of how this is all working out. In they, have a, they have a way of blurring truth yeah. They're just blurring it all out. Yeah. So therefore, they can say, well, you know what? Males and females, not really a it thing. No, I think the end of George Orwell book, you know, two plus two equals five. Yeah. yeah. And they keep teaching that and teaching that and teaching that. And after a while. And after a while, mean. they're saying, well, yeah, it's, it's relative. Yep. So, the, and then what you just read, you know, it says, no one dares trust a wife or a child or a friend any longer. Yeah. That's it. Yep. You can't trust anybody, right? We, kind of, yep. Do you understand like what you're watching off of the news media? Do you really believe that stuff? I, oh, but they are people are. That's people what are. People they're are. just accepting it okay. and and acting as if that's what the truth is. And some of these pastors need to turn their media off and open their I, Bibles. I agree with that. Yep. And quit reading they, some of these books that that are. Um, what's the the book that you were talking about earlier, um, it's not about racism. I forgot. Forgive me. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> There's so many books, though. I have people a lot are, of books. Well, what I'm saying is people are quoting from these books that aren't written, even written by Christians. They're quoting oh, yeah. from these books. And, oh, that's, yeah. But anyway. That's a whole other podcast. We can get we, into that. Yeah. And probably we need to be finishing up our discussion today sure um we just need to emphasize though that it's good to raise alarms and to show people i am not opposed to raising an alarm i think that's biblical i think that's what us as christians should do right. when we see people getting led astray by lies yep. falsehoods false teachers 
right? We, we see the truth it. We need love. to. You need to yep. speak the truth in love. And if you love somebody, guess what you do? Right. right. You warn Challenge them. Challenge them and you warn them. That's yeah. exactly right. I wouldn't let no little kid run out in the middle of traffic. I'd say, hey, wait a minute, Johnny boy. You're going to get run over. Yep. It's the same thing. Yep. So people, you know, truth divides. It always has. Yeah. Uh, but I just wanted to make sure that we clarify that um, we need to be discipling one another. If you're not discipling or being discipled, seek that now in the scriptures, yes. in the word of God, yeah. nothing else. Yeah. You know, not in critical race theory. No, that's CRT. That's what I was trying to think of. CRT is not is of the devil. Right. It truly is, is a demonic doctrine. And I will stand on that. And these people are embracing it. And it is so discouraging to watch it infiltrate Amen. college campuses. Yeah. All Christian, around. Even Christian. Christian college campuses. Amen. Absolutely. People are embracing this stuff. And we want to stand boldly. We want to stand in love. And we want to stand in truth of in Jesus scripture. Christ. And yes, in the gospel. And I would say, if you think we're living in a different world, brother, you're right. You're right. All right. Well, God bless you guys. We love you. And thank you for listening to this podcast. And we'll be back. All righty. Have a blessed day week, month, until you hear from us again. Bye-bye. Dr. Jerry Cade, how are you, my friend? Hey, we are. Jonathan, how are you? I'm doing good, sir. Good to be here, isn't it? Back. Yep, it's Back. been a while. It's been a couple of weeks, so yeah. we got some things we want to talk about this morning. Yes. Oh, by the way, welcome to Chapter and Verse, please. Yes, I am we Pastor just... Jonathan Heron. And I'm Dr. Jerry Cade. Yeah, and we're great to be here with y'all. So, some things have changed since yeah, last week. Yeah, give us an update on what's going on here. A life update. It's been a roller coaster ride here. Um, so, I have been called to Georgia, mm -hmm. to a church in Georgia. I will be the lead pastor. So, that will take place on the 21st of this month. So, um, yeah, that's rather quickly, but I'm heading Georgia on my mind. Yeah, Isn't that's that a <laughs> and I'm thrilled about it, except I'm upset too, because yeah. I hate to see you go, but yeah. we'll stay connected, no question. Yeah, it's kind of a bittersweet thing. Yeah. Uh, it's been a challenging week with my mom. Some of you may know she's been sick with cancer for some time, almost three years now, so God has added to her life the, the days, you know, but oh, yeah. we had to have a com conversation um, about hospice care has been, we're moving into that part of this nasty cancer as it goes so mm -hmm. there's that and uh one more challenging thing the scary thing is my fiance celia is a missionary over seven thousand miles away mm -hmm. and i uh, was in a very scary car accident uh, she got hit head on she wasn't driving but she was in the car and the car got smashed up pretty badly but Lord, God's favor, God's grace. Yeah. Uh, she just came out of that with um, 
concussion. So, but she's doing good. Great. That's good. And God is still good, and we keep pressing on and fighting the good fight. So that's where I'm at. All right. Good. All right. And um, we want to talk about where we're at in our devotionals, our devotional time. Uh, we decided a couple of broadcasts ago that we would stick with what God's teaching us when we on the day we're going to make our our podcast. So. Um, I got a couple of questions that I want to discuss. Um, one is, why are people afraid of God's people? And the second one is, why are preachers not preaching God's word? And to get into those questions, I want to talk about the story of Balaam and Balak hmm. back in Numbers, Numbers 20, and it goes through, this whole story goes through about <coughs> Numbers 24. So. Um, just to kind of recap, you know the story. The children of Israel left Egypt, and they were getting ready to go into the Promised Land, and Moses was leading them. And they were meeting with resistance. These kings that were in Canaan were uh, evil dictators, and they were, they were marked for destruction by God. And the children of Israel were to go in and claim this territory. But the, the, king, the kings were pretty nervous about it. They were upset about it. And um, one of them, just, just to mention the king of Edom, um, Moses went and asked him, can we come through your territory? We won't bother anything. We won't bother any people. We just want to go through there. And uh, Edom said, the king of Edom said, uh, get lost, Moses. You're not going to come through our territory. So they had to go around a different way. And then they uh, met up with another king, the king of Edom. And um, he was a little more aggressive about things, and he even attacked the children of Israel, took some captives. And um, the children of Israel went to God and prayed about this, which would have been the right thing to do. And God said, I'll help you out. And uh, he destroyed those cities that that king held. Um, so they continued on their journey, and they, uh, they had to go around Edom. And of course... That made the journey harder, and the people were complaining again. Can you imagine that? The people, the children of Israel, complaining about what God was doing. But um, they pressed on, and um, actually they had a little bit of a punishment because uh, God sent serpents into their camps to uh, disturb their peace, I guess. And uh, we may not like that God would do that, but God does what God's going to do, and mm -hmm. it's, it's in God's Word. We, we really can't argue it. We might not even understand it. Um, but the solution, when, when the people cried enough, the solution was that they would make a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. Mm -hmm. And um, anytime Aaron raised that up, there would be healing from the snakes, which is another interesting thing because I, I got to thinking the snakes are still with us. <laughs> we don't, God doesn't take away all of the the different uh, problems that we come across. There's still a lot of problems, but it gives a solution when we look to him. Yeah. Anyway, and there was a cure from the snake bites. Um, they continued on, and um, they met another king. And this is what I want to use. The, the, this king was Balak, and uh, he was paranoid and afraid of these children of Israel, too. And I got to thinking, why is it? Now, I understand why these kings were afraid, because... This was a lot of people, and they were frightened of their territory being overtaken. But why are, why are people today still afraid of Christians? And it just seems like they are, and it seems like in this culture we're in, there's, God's people are some kind of threat to the culture. So 
we're seeing we're seeing these people react as if there's something bad about Christians. Um, and so I thought, well, there's there's got to be a couple of reasons. And the main one I came up with is that we are in a battle for men's souls, mm-hmm. and there is a there is a resistance to what God wants in people's lives. And so even though Christians, most Christians I know are just nice people, they're trying to do their best, they try to, they're trying to grow and be, be better people, and yet that's a threat to others. But that's the reason that, that there's, a, there's spiritual battles going on, yeah. and people don't want to hear these truths. Now, there's even a deeper meaning that I was thinking about um, to this, and that's that there's, there's evil in the world. And anytime there's evil, the light that God's people bring to the situation is scary yeah. to evil, to devils, and, and to Satanists. And they want to run. They want to get away from that when there's light that comes into the situation. So I think that's why we're scary to people yeah. in the culture. Well, you could see in the culture right now, currently, they're scared of the light. Yep. But they're not like. They're trying very subtle ways to get rid of us. Yeah, yeah. Right, yep. by whatever. Le- they're trying to legislate Christianity out of the, co- the country, but it's not going to work. No, no. And, well, they're trying, to, they're trying to say that the, it's the Christians that are the ones that are causing the problems in the, in the mm-hmm. culture, and they're just so mean, and they hate, you know, they hate gay people, and they hate, they hate all this, they, they hate it. Anybody that wants to have an abortion, well, we all hate people. Yeah. But we do speak for what the truth is. Which leads me to my second question. Um, why aren't preachers preaching God's word? Mm. And um, I'm reading this book about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and it's very interesting. I think I've mentioned it before. Dietrich. We're, yeah. We're in a, a similar situation that he was in, in in Nazi Germany, and he's trying to fight what is going on in the culture. And uh, one of the stories in there, he goes to New York City, and he wants to find a church that is preaching God's word. And he keeps trying these churches, and all he's hearing, and he goes, why are these preachers, they preach about everything except the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he struggled with, why are they doing that? And I, I think his only conclusion is that, that the preachers were being influenced by the cultural issues of the day, just like today, the preachers have, many of them, I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of them have, have shifted what they're calling sin from what the Bible says to the sins the culture talks about. And that's what they're concerned about, the, the different sins that, that people in the culture, the feminists and the, the, the socialists, the, the sins they identify, those are the things that the preachers are talking about. There was a movement in Bonhoeffer's day Christian, they were called the Christian, uh, I can't think of the name of it. But anyway, it was the same kind of sect in Nazi Germany that is is so similar to the woke movement here in America. Yep, yep. It's the same. Yep. um, Well, the political powers of of, of the Nazi regime tried to influence what the church was preaching about. And they, they 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 would make the pastors... Um, give them copies of their sermons before they preached them. Yeah, they, you got to get them screened. The, the pastors, if, if they didn't like what the pastors were saying, they mm-hmm. would shut them down. They so would, maybe some of these preachers, 
So I don't want to broad stroke and just say all preachers because there is faithful preachers yes. out there that no are faithful question. to the God's Lord. always had faithful preachers. But they don't, they, I think that they don't have the voice and the influence. So what we're hearing is these, you know, these false teachers and all these guys with the platform. No. That's the thing is that the liberal, woke, false teaching pastors are the ones that we're hearing and seeing the right. voices. Exactly. So the influence is there. Yeah. And, uh, but the, the, it's almost like they're preparing because they know that they're not going to bother them. Right. Yeah. It's self-preservation. Why are they going to bother them? They're not even preaching the word. Yep. Well, this happened yeah. in Nazi Germany too because the people were so afraid of the Nazis that they would, the storekeepers would put Nazi symbols in their stores to, so that yeah. they would make sure they would leave them alone. And you're, you're seeing all these corporations. The latest this week has been the uh, Dr. Seuss thing. Where these corporations are... And Coca-Cola, which... Coca-Cola. Almost every big organ, big uh, organization or mm-hmm. company is coming out with these, like, don't bother us because we're woke. Because we... we <laughs> we're not like them. Yeah. Well, we're... think about Dr. Six. Think about this company. I think they've kind of slit their own throats. Their, their, their business model was, you know, to sell Dr. Seuss books. Well, then they're going to say, well, we're not going to sell six of these Dr. Seuss books anymore. And then they say the reason is because there was insensitivity to different cultures. Well, why would you even say that? If you don't want to sell the books, just quit it, quit printing them. Yeah. But you have to come out and, and give your, your uh, virtue signaling, as we've talked about over and over and over, how wonderful we are because we don't want to... I you think, know, sell these books. I think they're out of business in 10 I years. think that brings it back full circle to our preachers preaching the word. Are they staying faithful to the word? Right. Is the word sufficient? Because there's only one way that anybody could even buy or believe or any of the stuff that's coming out. Right. There's only one way that people can say, oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Especially Christians, quote, unquote, because that means they're not in the word and they are not being fed the word. Right. Because you, if you are... You would see this stuff. Red flags should go off in your head yep. immediately. Now, that could bring me to what I am studying. Exactly. And in and, First and Kings is where I'm at. Chapter 3. It's about Solomon. I, I'm doing a study. You know, I'm going to work through First and Second Kings. And I'm doing a study on Solomon. So this is my initial, you know, I'm just getting into this. In chapter 3, Solomon's prayer for wisdom. Yeah. So Solomon... This is uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 3. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statues of David his father. Only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. Now that's significant because uh, in those times, Israelites, when they entered Canaan, they were supposed to destroy the hilltop shrines of the Canaanites. But until the temple was constructed, right, which Solomon was doing, they were allowed to worship there. Until, but however, Solomon continued to build and worship at these sites even after temples built. So basically, what I'm getting at is Solomon was actually living in disobedience. Now, yeah. on top of that, though, so so um, verse four. I'm sorry. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was a great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. 
Verse 6, And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love, and have given him a son to sit on this throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in the in place of David my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. I love that part. Mm-hmm. He says, I do not know how to go out or come in. That basically what, what Solomon's saying is, you made me a king and I don't know whether I'm coming or going. And I don't, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if I'm coming or if I'm going. And you, Okay, so verse 8, and your servant is in the midst of your people, right? Whom you have chosen a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this, your great people. So, so verse 10, it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches, yeah. prosperity, or the life of your enemies, right? We want to just be living in peace with everybody, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Yep. Behold, I do according now to your word. So basically what God just did there, Solomon, God said, ask what you want. And Solomon said, Give me wisdom and discernment to know right from wrong. He asked for wisdom. He didn't ask for, you know. Well, he didn't ask for the two. I call them the two Ps. He didn't ask for power mm. or pleasure. Yeah. He, he asked for something else. You said something about the table. He looked for the. The blessings on the table. Blessings. He didn't ask for those. A lot of people come to Jesus and they don't come for the gift giver they come for the gifts so right. they come to the table and they're like oh look at what's all on the table yeah. right they want his blessings yeah. but they don't want him yeah. at that moment in that time of prayer and communion between solomon and god solomon's heart was right in tune with what god mm-hmm. wanted and where god was going now we talked about this too he didn't always stay there <laughs> no yeah but at that moment he was there and he asked for wisdom he asked for wisdom and i think goes back to your question about why our preachers they're not asking for wisdom no they're asking for yep. everything that Solomon uh, you know they, they ask, they're asking for the gifts yep. the riches the honor yep. they want a place at the table but they want the gifts on the table well or another way to say it they're, they're looking for wisdom the world has yeah because all these things that, we're, that are, are coming as influences into the church mm. are worldly wisdom so you have to define wisdom because there's, yeah. two, there's two different kinds there's God's wisdom which is found in God's word and if you're not in it and if you're not studying it and you're not understanding it then you don't really have wisdom you have what the world is offering and that is not wisdom that, that might even be considered the opposite of wisdom. Yeah, foolishness. Foolishness, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so what I'm getting at, though, was, okay, so Solomon, right, had all this wisdom. He was the smartest wisdom-having person yeah. ever yeah. that ever lived. Yet he still lived in disobedience. He still... Still fell. He still fell short. Of, you know, he still sinned. And it just goes to show that 
uh, no matter how much wisdom or knowledge that you have, the total depravity in a person, yes. man, they will fall short the moment that, that they take their eyes off of Jesus yeah. and put their eyes on what? The kingdom of the world. Yeah. Solomon, had, power. Solomon had it all. He had the pleasure. He had the power. He had the money. He even had the wisdom. But there was times in his journey that he... I mean, that's why he penned all of Ecclesiastes, right? Right. And it's great, and it's brilliant writing. And we were talking about a Solomon of our day uh, who seems to have fallen from grace. Preachers not preaching away. the word. Yep. Well, Rabbi Zacharias, who had an unbelievable knowledge and wisdom about and, and ability to communicate it. He, mm -hmm. he was a great speaker, and you could listen to him be mesmerized. But guess what? He fell away, just like Solomon. Um, and we don't know. We know Solomon repented toward the end, and we assume Solomon is going to be in heaven. Rabbi, we're not sure about, because we don't know the details of yeah, you know, his I, passing and things. But the, the point is, he had moral failures, even at the height of his influence on the Christian church. Yeah. And it, it almost... It's it's a it's a great uh, lesson for us that that how how far somebody can fall anybody because we we only we are not in ourselves able to maintain the kind of life that God expects. Well, you know, Rabbi Zechariah was a very so Paul says, "I did not come to you with lofty speech." Right. <laughs> There's a reason why. Like uh, Rabbi Zechariah, if, if you ask me, my in my opinion, was very. Intelligentsia, very. Sometimes I listen to a whole thing. I used to listen to him a lot, yeah. and I would get. I, there was lots of things I could glean from, but there was times where I left what he was saying, and would be like, "What did you just say? I have no idea what in the world you just said." But that is just talking over people's heads. Yeah. That that therefore it, it was his place. It protected him. Yeah. And you watch everybody just cheer. Yeah. And all that praise. I clapped about Zacharias. I had no idea what he said. <laughs> sounded good though well and, that, and it shows wisdom is not enough without a personal loving relationship with Jesus yes if you don't have that all you have is wisdom and you can look good you can look good to Christians you can look good to the world yeah. you don't have everything that it takes to look good to God mm. and if we don't have a, a heart that, that desires Christ and that desires to grow and to be faithful, all the wisdom in the world is not going to help us. Yeah. Well, here's how, um, again, back to 1 Kings chapter 3, how, um, verse 14, here's God. And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Yeah. I don't care what you know, man. Yep. Like, all that knowledgeable, uh, I don't know if you want to, I don't know the words to say. Intelligentsia would be what word comes to my mind. You know, these people that are so educated that they're, they're foolish. Yeah. Because uh, they're not walking in the statutes, right? They're not keeping the commandments. That's all you got to do. Like, like, stay in the word. Right. right? And, and, and preach the word. If you're going to be a pastor, get back to the word. You know, apologetics and things are great. Theology is an, uh, an essential. But if you are not preaching the righteousness, the holiness of Jesus Christ, repentance, 
the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. If you're not nailing down these things out of the scripture, you're just a banging gong or whatever, you know, the clanging clanging symbol. So, yeah. Well, I think that we've said enough, right? Sure. And uh, wait, don't turn that off yet. I want to just play this a little bit. And uh, let's let's go out with Gary S. Paxton. Oh, yes. Because that's what we're talking about. It's a different world we want to stay in. We want to stay focused on what God wants Amen. not what the world wants. And pray for wisdom, guys. Yep. And stay in the Word. That's what we are called to do. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Have a best time.